Welcome to our podcast, Doing It Right. This podcast reveals authentic stories from successful leaders doing it right. It's about their journey to become a leader, their choices, motivations, and lessons. In essence, how they built successful personal brands. Your host is Valerie Sokolowski, author of eight leadership books and nationally known as an authority on executive presence and personal branding. Let's get started. Here's Valerie. Well, hello go again to my loyal listeners. You know, here's good news about women business owners. I did some research on what we're talking about today. It's all going to be about women in business, entrepreneurs, women who have uh, been given uh, because of their parents owning a company and they've inherited. Women today are all about trying to prove themselves, show themselves, show up with presence and know that they are getting more and more opportunities in the marketplace. So here's the good news about women entrepreneurs in this country. According to the latest annual State of Women-Owned Business report, this was commissioned by American Express, women are starting about 1,821 U.S. businesses every day. Did you get that? 1,821 new businesses every day. The number of women-owned businesses have surged 3,000% since 1972. And here's an interesting look back in the rearview mirror. Not that long ago, do you realize that before 1988, women needed a male co-signer to apply for bank loans? So my guests today have been on the forefront of all of this for many, many years. Joining me today are three highly engaged, passionate women leaders who have been highly involved in the Women's Business National, let me start over, the Women's Business Enterprise National Council, I'm used to saying we bank, (laughs) the largest certifier and developer of women-owned businesses in the U.S., and a leading advocate for women business owners and entrepreneurs. So I've asked them today to talk about their areas of involvement and all in their leadership positions within their uh, respective organizations and to share what's been impactful to them as they have worked in in, uh, this space. So I want to welcome three people. One is Pam Eason, who came from... uh, the uh, organization you flew in when did you fly in pam let's from? see day day or so ago i was here for a women's hall of fame induction. oh great thank you for coming to the show from all that far away so pam is the current president of we bank since 2011 mm-hmm. uh, and you came from an executive role at pfizer where you were vice president of worldwide procurement yes right? Yes. So I'm welcoming Pam and Debbie Hurst, who is president and CEO for 21 years Yikes. of the first <laughs> of the first regional chapter, which is called RPO, right? Regional Partner Organization. Yeah. Uh-huh. Here in the Southwest, mm-hmm. and that's the where I'm the member uh, member, and then one and also one of the most successful run of all 14 of them, I must say, in the organization, and I'm not prejudiced. (laughs) So you'll hear more about her. And Cheryl Stevens, who created the Supplier Diversity Program at TXU many years ago. And Cheryl is really hailed as the legacy leader. You are, Cheryl. Yes. The role model 
uh, and the go-to person across the country. Your reputation is so stellar because you've been such a mentor across the whole supplier diversity uh, or, you know, space. Thank you. That's very nice. <laughs> <laughs> See, I can say these things, and these <laughs> humble women wouldn't. But we have these women here today, which is very, very special to have all three together. And I just want to open it up. And uh, the first question I would have, and I will ask Pam to start this, how did you get involved with women business issues? You were at Pfizer. Right. So a little bit about how you got involved in all of this and, and the impact that it's had with you personally. Well, that's a really interesting story because I didn't come into it looking at it as a women's business issue. Mm -hmm. um, I was in charge of worldwide procurement at Pfizer, and as I traveled around the world, whether I was here in the United States or where I was, whether I was somewhere else in the world, you would find that there were certain situations that weren't meant to be in place but were inhibitors to women-owned businesses, minority-owned businesses, disabled individuals, and really other parties that for some reason did not have the same ability to compete like a large major supplier. Mm. And so um, in seeing what that was, around that same time, I was placed on the board of the Women's Business Enterprise National Council. And, uh, you know, when I get involved in something, I get all into it. I don't just, Leaning you know, have in. to do it. Mm -hmm. And um, so I started wanting to really understand what the issues were for women. And in doing so, I met these two wonderful women along with other of our um, leaders in the organization. And I really became more aware of something that I hadn't paid that close attention to, which was the issues for women in business. Mm -hmm. And so in doing so, I developed this tremendous passion. And actually, Cheryl became the national board chair and asked me if I would get a bit more engaged than I was at the time. And, you know, everyone will do whatever Cheryl wants, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so I would not of course, have said no to that for any reason. And uh, luckily, I did really fully engage in it. And I've learned so much. And I really realized that when we fight for women's business issues, or when we advocate for what we think is needed, it's not at the expense of someone else. It's about let's make this a fully inclusive situation. Mm -hmm. And so I've just developed this tremendous passion. Um, ironically, I have three daughters, I have seven granddaughters. Wow. And so women are, in, are around, <laughs> right? Around. And um, so while while there's only been a, a few men in the situation, um, they've played great roles. And so I really focus on women's issues is this great competitiveness, uh, the additional innovation that we can bring, and really just creating parity. It's not about, you know, anything more than that for me. And I think that our economy thrives when we do that. So uh, let's stay on the uh, women's issue challenge. Okay. You've mentioned it now several times. Today, mm -hmm. we've come so far. Right. So what's the one, from your perspective, the one major challenge mm -hmm. that we business owners, entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. from your perspective, right. what is it? Um, I would say that the simple fact, I'm not going to say access to capital because that is really the number one challenge, but oh, you're going to sure. hear that money. all of the time, <laughs> we need right? money. <laughs> um, as you said, 1982, 1988, yeah. men were still having to co-sign for women. Uh -huh. um, so what I would say with that is that probably is the number one. The one that I would probably focus more on is um, women uh, feeling confident about going out 
and proving what it is that they can do. And they don't even really need to prove it. They just need to do it. Um, women uh, typically tend to be a little bit more shy. Mm-hmm. And you don't see that when, especially you're on the corporate side mm-hmm. and you have all these suppliers coming in to present to you. Um, those men come in and they're super, super confident and they're just going to say whatever it is, even if it's not even right, right? Uh-huh. They're just going to like put it out there and you're going to feel so good and confident about it when they say it to you. And we have so many women that are so talented and they just don't have that same level mm-hmm. of confidence confidence behind them. So something I would love to see improvement in is that. Well, that is so uh, interesting to me because my niche, as you know, is executive presence and personal branding. And the number one request I get from companies sending women to Mm -hmm. me or them coming on their own, frankly, is to up their game. These are the words that I hear, right? Help them up their game. Help them with confidence. Help them show up with presence. Exactly. And it's funny, I will say, well, what to you does that look like? And I get all kinds of answers, but the reality is it's, it all goes to build their self-confidence. Yep. Build their self-confidence. That's very interesting. Thank you. So Cheryl, what would you say? What would you say is, um, First of all, how you got involved way back when. Can we go way back when, whenever that is? I guess I'm the oldest one. (laughs) No, you aren't. No. But in your journey. So, um, yeah, I was given an incredible opportunity. And my company, which is the regional, at the time, regional electric company. Mm -hmm. And we have always, no matter which of those entities, whether it was Texas Power and Light or Dallas Power and Light or whatever entity you started with or or became a part of, we have always had a commitment to the communities where we live and serve. Sure. And it became uh, incredibly obvious from an economic development perspective that we had a lot of people sitting on the sidelines economically. My company did business with white men, companies owned by white men. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had a lot of businesses out there that could be competitive and strong and wonderful suppliers for us that could not get in the door. Mm. So it was my job to get them in the door and not give them anything except an opportunity to compete for business. Simple as that. Simple as that. That's really, I just, I'm a simple person. Thank you for making it so simple. <laughs> yeah, okay. And so when, when did you uh, get into and start the supplier diversity program? 1990, mm-hmm. I think, which of course then was called Minority Business Development, mm-hmm. although, uh, <coughs> excuse me, minority-owned companies and women-owned companies were both included. Mm-hmm. We called it Minority Business Development, which um, it needed something better. So supplier diversity, supplier inclusion mm-hmm. um, is much more what it's about. Okay. Uh, so uh, 1990, and I think the year I got uh, the year I could count anything that we spend, it is all about the money and all about the business. So the year that I could actually get enough data together to count what we spend, we had spent about we spent nine million dollars in one year wow. with minority and women-owned companies intentionally. Uh, it, it, well, yeah, kinda. But we, <laughs> but uh, when you look at what our total spend was, it's mm-hmm. way, way, way less than one percent. Hmm. So nine million sounds a lot, yeah. you know, if you only spend twenty, but. Mm-hmm. It was not good. So we went to work, and three years later, I set a goal of $50 million, and we hit that. And when I retired in 2015, 
um, our our total year to date from the time we began the program to when I left was um, around six billion dollars with minority and women-owned wow. companies. So can we just clap? Um, a little yeah, bit? yeah. <laughs> you know, and the women, um, you know. It's, it's been really wonderful to see the evolution of this whole organization mm-hmm. that's represented here today because um, there really wasn't a national certification for women. There were certain groups around the country that were doing certification for women, but there wasn't a nationally known, nationally respected and accepted certification. So to see all that grow into what it is now with our 14 regional partner organizations and, and the strength of WeBank, um, it's just amazing. It is amazing. Mm -hmm. And Debbie, I'm going to turn to you because I've been so heavily involved here in in your chapter, our chapter, as I'm called a WEBE, W-B-E for the audience. So women-owned businesses who are certified as women-owned businesses. Um, are called Weeby. I had no idea what Weeby we, we was when I first. We don't want to call it that anymore. We don't want to call that anymore. <laughs> just no. WBE. Just, just you know, WBE. WBE. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I've been involved with you and your organization, and I have seen the fact that uh, women own business owners are really missing out when they don't know (laughs) about you, about you, about you, about us, that there is an organization, and this is what I'd like to ask you to talk about, Debbie, because you've been successfully building your own organization uh, from a business perspective in getting women in front of companies so that we can do business together. So would you Mm -hmm. talk about that? Sure. Thank you again for having all of us here. Um, uh, absolutely. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Um, as both Cheryl and Pam have said, you know, there's, and you started out the program with 3,000% increase in uh, women business ownership over the last several decades. Um, there is tremendous innovation and um, businesses being started and run by women Um comprising like what 45 percent of all small businesses in the nation Mm -hmm. um but the the problem is that women-owned businesses still today with Mm -hmm. all of that growth receive about five percent of corporate and government contracting so think about that cheryl Mm. talked about how when she started counting the dollars spent it was less than one percent today Still, mm-hmm. we are at about 5% of corporate and government contracting. It's all about access to opportunities. Mm-hmm. It's all about making those connections and helping women-owned businesses to and through the decision makers within corporate America, within the government, um, giving helping to facilitate, I would say, that access and those relationships. Mm-hmm. Because it's all about uh, doing business with people that you know, people that you're comfortable with. Um, Cheryl, again, said when she started, her company was doing business with uh, uh, businesses owned by white men. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's because who, that's who they knew and that's who they were comfortable with. And so as we all get to know one another, mm-hmm. we become more comfortable with each other. People do business mm-hmm. with people they know, they trust, and that's they like. Right. That's right. So I'll throw this one out to any of you. Just, again, very simply, if there are women that are listening or watching who own their businesses 
and they don't know about well what is what does it take to what do you mean certification and and how do you get me access to uh, these companies who would take that on to make it just real simple to them and then you'll just get a flurry of people going I want to be certified <laughs> I'll take it on okay. I'll take it on <laughs> take it on Debbie <laughs> yep so. Um, what we do is yeah. a third-party look at the structure of your business to determine that it is at least 51% owned, operated, and controlled by women. Okay. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. That's what the certification is. We're establishing that this business truly is a woman-owned and controlled business. The reason that we do that is because you then, as the business owner, can use that certification as you approach TXU or American Airlines or AT&T, who all have strong supplier diversity programs. That's the key. They they wanna do business with a diverse supplier base Mm -hmm. um, because they know it brings them innovation, it brings them competitiveness, um, it it invests in the entire community. So they want to do it, mm-hmm. but they want to know that this truly is a woman-owned business that's approaching them um, and presenting herself as a woman-owned business. So we do that third-party review, mm-hmm. and, and it's relied upon by the women-owned businesses. It's relied upon by government and corporate procurement professionals. Mm-hmm. I've had women say to me in the past, oh, no, I don't, I don't want to get certified. I'm going to get this on my own. I don't want to, I don't want a handout. I don't want them really? doing business with me just because I'm a woman. Well, I guarantee you, nobody's doing business with you just because you're a woman. It's not a handout. It's about helping, as Pam talked about, level the playing field, access to opportunities. Yep. And it's just one more tool. Mm-hmm. in your marketing tool chest so use it use it because for my organization here mm-hmm. um, in the southwest region i have about 80 corporate and government entities who are members of my council um, they're all the major corporations that you would find here in the dallas fort worth uh, metroplex uh, as well as government uh, local government entities and they're they're members of my council because they're looking for women-owned businesses. So don't leave that money on the table. You know, get involved. Yeah, get involved. And, you know, I will say that as I uh, prospect for business across the country, the first thing I will say to an HR person is, and by the way, what I want you to know up front is, I am a certified women business owner. And the, and the eyes spark. Mm-hmm. Because there's not a company out there today that really isn't looking for doing business. At least first they'll look at people who are certified. And as you said, it's simple. It's just either you are 51% owner and operator or you're not. So it's not some big uh, behemoth that you have to go through. So, uh, Pam, of all the the, uh, challenges that you have now in running this nationally, Uh, what is it that, um, I suppose I would say just as running the organization itself Mm -hmm. as a CEO, right? what are you dealing with today in the marketplace? I think we're dealing with, um, some issues that come from other places that impact women business owners, right? So you do have women who say, 
you know, am I getting a handout? Um, if I say I'm a woman-owned business, will it hurt me? And then you have other people, just as you just did, who said, I mentioned that I'm a woman-owned business and people really are attracted to that, that sort of thing. So I always try to step back and say that um, there's two places the business are coming from. I guess there's really three. It can come from the government, right? You can be getting business from the government. You can be getting business from a corporation or you can get, be getting business from another business owner. Mm-hmm. Another business owner definitely loves the fact that you're a woman-owned business, right? It's us women supporting women, that sort of thing. And so being a woman-owned business, that's a really great thing. From a corporate perspective, it depends on who in these corporations you're talking with, right? So if you're in a corporation, they have wonderful supplier diversity programs. If you're talking to somebody who's further removed from the program, they may not be as aware of what that that cultural meaning and importance to their company is around inclusion of suppliers that are diverse, mm -hmm. right? Women in diverse. And so you might get one of them who says, I don't really care whether you're a woman-owned business, right? And that happens in any situation where you have thousands of employees, right? Everybody doesn't know about this. And so one of the challenges we deal with is you have these companies that have tremendous, tremendous commitment from a corporate perspective to doing business with women, mm -hmm. but not everybody in the company understands exactly how to go about doing that, doing it the right way. Mm -hmm. So, you know, again, it's about the parity. It's about getting the opportunity available to our women-owned businesses because we know we can compete, right? We right. know we can win that business. We just need the opportunity to be able to stand up against some of the larger players that are out there. Yeah, thank you for that. I think it's about exposure. Yes. Right? Yes. And that's why I wanted you on, very frankly. When I knew you were coming to Dallas, uh, and I knew that you were crazy busy with your Christmas party coming up, but still would be available. And you and I had talked a long time ago. I thought, boy, this is really the, the perfect opportunity to get some visibility out there. The other part of that visibility is to recognize that I didn't know that all these companies are, as you said, they're members. Yep. So if I'm a member, I, when I am a member, can go to the national database online and I can pick any corporation I want to do business with and if I know that I have a service that would fit that industry I can pick up the phone and I will get an answer from at least the supplier diversity person mm -hmm. and say I'd like to talk with you about my services is this something that your company would find of value and if so how can you help me my gosh, we could network all day long and not have that opportunity. So, you know, it's a pearl, and, and if you're listening and this pearl matches something that is important to you, which it should be if you're a woman business owner, get on the, uh, on the WeBank site, which is wbenc.org, and find out more about it. Now I want to go to you women as just women leaders, okay? And here's my question. Uh, who do you admire as a leader today, a woman business leader. Debbie, who do you admire? Oh, that's easy. Is it? I admire both of these women I'm sitting <laughs> at the table with. You were going to get the we're same answer from me. Okay. Yeah. No, yeah. I, it, it, is, it is very true. I know you're sincere. Uh, it is very true. Um, there are so many leaders out there that um, I look to and take inspiration from and okay. learn from. Um, but, but in... I really mean that I have learned an incredible amount from um, the other women that I work with day in and day out. 
um, not just women. You know, corporations uh, have a lot of men who work for them. Women-owned businesses have a lot of men who work for them. And, um, and they're partners with us in this as well. Um, but I tell you, uh, I've been doing this for 21 years. Mm-hmm. And one of the first people I met when I came to the Women's Business Council Southwest is Cheryl Stevens. And uh, we've, our friendship has grown over those years. And I've learned so much mm-hmm. from her. Um, I was listening to Cheryl and Pam talk about their background and what brought them here. And we all three came here from different, really different mm-hmm. perspectives. Um, which is, I think, part of the reason that I learned so much from um, from them and from other leaders within my organization, because we just um, we have we're here for different reasons and different pathways, I guess. Well, let me ask you that very question because both of you came from corporate, mm-hmm. and you have a very different story. Can you share quickly how you <laughs> came into this? Well, I mine is uh, I just came through nonprofit. My uh-huh. whole background has been in nonprofit management, and uh, before I came to the Women's Business Council, I uh, did a lot of work in various social service nonprofit work so from women's health care issues to mental illness um, Mm -hmm. I immediately before I came to the Women's Business Council Southwest I was the the executive director of a case management organization for people living with AIDS Mm -hmm. uh, that was a startup nonprofit uh, in response to the AIDS crisis in the uh, mid 1980s so um, I was ready after about 11 or 12 years with uh, AIDS Arms, that organization. I had a four-year-old daughter, and I um, was really uh, wanting to have um, do something um, emotion less emotionally <laughs> I can um, imagine. taxing, I mm-hmm. guess. And uh, I always um, cared about and been involved with women's issues, and so this opportunity came along. How? And How? Oh, I read it. I read an ad in the newspaper. I think that's yeah. great. So, yeah. um, so I didn't know you were going to ask me that because I said when when Valerie and I were talking earlier, I said, you know, we talk all the time about how networking is so right. important and it's the people that you know and how you develop those relationships. Um, and so then I get this through an ad in the newspaper. Right? I didn't but, know anybody. But Debbie, that says something really important because. Don't you find in life, just in life, that when things are right, they, they show mm-hmm. themselves. Mm-hmm. You just happened to see the ad, and it resonated with you in the very rest much of history. Did. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, and the other thing it brought, it did for me personally, mm-hmm. was give me an opportunity to learn about the rest of the world. All I had ever done was sure. nonprofit, uh-huh. and I didn't want to work for a corporation, <laughs> but I <laughs> wanted to understand and work with them. And still be in nonprofit management. So it was perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. What I love about all of this is that the passion, I'm sure that those who are watching on YouTube can see the faces you're lighting up the minute I ask you these questions because you're still so passionate about it. I love to also uh, ask guests what is really important from your perspective to leave with our audience. You've had great journeys. You love what you do. You've also had challenges. We do have those. Mm -hmm. 
And so if you were sitting down with uh, a young woman who either is starting out in business, maybe even starting to college, maybe in high, now in high school thinking about mm-hmm. what they're going to do the rest of their lives, what pearls of wisdom, just give me maybe two or three things that you would leave the audience uh, sharing from your heart. I call them teachable points of view because that's what leaders do. They teach other people. And that's what I'm asking you to do. Teach some of our listeners uh, what it is you'd like to to have us learn, me included. Who wants to start? Well, I can say one because I got to do this recently. Great. I have an 18-year-old granddaughter who just graduated in May from uh, high school and just started college. And my number one message to her, and there's many that you can give, but the number one is don't be part of the problem, be part of the solution. Tell me more about that. It's so very relevant if you turn on the TV anytime um, and you listen to a lot of news about everyone's opinion of a problem. Mm -hmm. We can all sit and talk about the problem, whatever our view of the problem is, but we're not going to get anywhere unless we focus on a solution. Do something. Don't just vent. All right. That's one. Okay, Cheryl? Yep. Okay, so I, I think that my, mine's a little little bit different. Um, and I learned this from my late husband, who was a coach. Mm. And that is to understand your role on the team. Mm-hmm. And uh, what, you, what you are there to do, what's your role. And as, as I see a college coach, you don't get offered a college scholarship if you're not good in high school. So everybody sitting on that bench was a starter mm-hmm. in high school. Well, now everybody can't be a starter. So everybody's got a role, mm-hmm. and you need to understand what yours is. And it's okay to aspire to other things, but if you're leading a team, you need to be very clear about what your expectation is of each member of that team. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think it's important. I think sometimes it lead, as leaders, we don't really – you can't get mad at people for not doing what you don't tell them you want them to do. Right. So I think it's very important that you define the roles of the people that you're fortunate to lead. And, you know, Cheryl, so many of our great pearls of wisdom come from sports analogies, and that's thank Mm -hmm. you for that. Mm -hmm. What would something you would say, V. Debbie? Well, I think those are both great, so I'm going to say those in the future. (laughs) (laughs) We steal around here. I would add, I think, uh, whether you're a business owner or a leader in any capacity, um, I would say um, take responsibility for the errors take responsibility Mm -hmm. for the missteps the mistakes and share the success with everybody on your team Mm. um the buck does stop here Mm -hmm. and um own that Uh, and then i would just couple that with um have the hard conversations oh that's mm-hmm. hard don't <laughs> don't avoid the hard conversations approach them um with all honesty uh and a, and a focus toward a solution but don't avoid the hard conversations they're probably they are the ones you need to have yeah so my husband taught me something and if my listeners have heard this before i'm sorry but it's true 
and mm-hmm. that is bad news over time only gets worse it gets hairy it starts smelling mm-hmm. it's really bad mm-hmm. that's one of the hardest things to learn mm-hmm. women we have just i've i've thoroughly uh, enjoyed having all three of you together how often could i possibly do that except a national conference and i sincerely hope that those of you who are listening or watching will take to heart if you are a woman-owned business or know of one to be sure that they do get their certification so that I am one so that my business, your business will grow, can grow, absolutely will, uh, will have a surge in the visibility that you'll have with all these different companies, including other women-owned businesses, small, medium, and large. And with that, I'm going to leave you and tell you, I want you, please, to go to Amazon and look up a book called Monday Morning Leadership for Women. Since we're talking about women, it is a book I've written. I think you'll learn a lot about leadership in that book as well. Stay authentic, stay the course, and thanks for listening. Tune in next time when we'll have more fabulous people on the show sharing their pearls of wisdom. Bye for now. Thanks for listening. To receive Valerie's voice, free monthly leadership tips, and to learn more about her leadership programs and coaching, visit her website, ValerieAndCompany.com. Next week, we'll be here again to inspire, engage, and equip you with teachable points of view from successful leaders who have been doing it right. Until then, lead authentically.